You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's a Thursday on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, and you know what that means. It's time for Riled Up on the Cowboys with your man, myself, Roy White, R-Dub3, and my man, Mr. Tom Ryle, at Tom Ryle BTB on Twitter. Of course, this podcast powered by our friends at SB Nation, bringing you all that great content that Blogging the Boys has to provide. And we even reached out, out, we stretched out, with our SB Nation contacts, and we actually have an incredible interview for you coming up here at the end of the podcast with a Jabril Cox insider. That's right, someone who can give us a firsthand look at what the Cowboys' most exciting draft pick can bring to the table in 2021 and where he might be best suited for this team going forward. So we'll get that to you at the end of the podcast. As I mentioned, little interview for you that we very much think you will enjoy and appreciate and give you a little insight into the Cowboys' most exciting draft pick, the fourth rounder out of LSU. But we got some other exciting news to get to, right, Tom? And that is the news of the NFL schedule officially released on Wednesday night. Now, I say officially released, although we probably get about 60 to 70% of it in the leaks that start to come out on Wednesday (laughs) morning. And one of those leaks in particular involved the Dallas Cowboys and the fact that they will be playing on opening night, Thursday night against the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we got a lot of schedule to look forward to Tom, but why don't we start it there? What type of test are the Cowboys looking at playing Arguably the NFC favorite coming into the NFL season, although it's also a team that going into last year's postseason was not one that everybody expected to to make the run that they did outside of maybe some Tom Brady magic. Well, Tom Brady produced that magic. They went on to win the Super Bowl, and now the Cowboys will face them in week one in Dak's first game back from ankle injury and his first game back as the one of the – highest paid signal callers in the NFL. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm excited about the, uh, the fact that they're opening against them. Uh, and I have to, you, you have to caveat something that all of our talk about the schedule is kind of based on what we know about the teams from last year with a little bit of what do they do in the draft and free agency mixed in. And we won't really know what these teams are uh, when they come in. And, and the other thing is that, there's a lot of people, I'm kind of on this boat myself, that argue that it was largely the Tampa Bay defense, especially in the Super Bowl win. They just completely annihilated uh, Kansas City Chiefs with a very banged-up offensive line. And so I, th- I don't think it's the, as intimidating a game as a lot of people are making it. And, the, you know, the odds makers on the early line have the Cowboys almost a full touchdown underdog. 
So this is kind of a great situation for the Cowboys to go into. If they lose the game, then, well, everybody was saying they were going to lose the game because defending Super Bowl champions, legend Tom Brady, blah, 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 massive defense, all that stuff. Cowboys pull the upset, then they are really going to be off to a great start, whereas losing it doesn't hurt them as much. And the the basic storyline, you've got, you know, the NFL's Methuselah and Tom Brady going out there against one of the great young guns who we're all going to be watching and holding our breath a little bit, hoping that that repaired ankle is holding up and that he's doing well. And that his offensive line, which, you know, three-fifths of which was on injured reserve at the end of the season, is also going to be healthy. Then the big question will be, what about the debut of the Dan Quinn defense? Can they shut down the uh, the Buccaneers' attack? And it's just a game with so many good storylines, and I think it's going to be a great opener. Uh, obviously, this is still America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, because that's why the NFL put them in the opener, because they're looking to, to reverse the trend of having declining ratings for that opener. And I think having the Cowboys against the Buccaneers will do it because you've got arguably the team that more people hate in the NFL than any other team, the Dallas Cowboys, playing arguably the player that more people hate in the NFL more than anyone else, Tom Brady. I mean, that, 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 that is, that is some, some primetime entertainment that we've got to look forward to. No question about it. And what a test they get to face in the opening week of the season. Now, I guess on the one hand, you could look at it as, hey, uh, stack yourself up against the best in the NFC and see where the chips fall. On the other hand, you could say, boy, that's an extremely tough test to come back to when Dak Prescott hasn't played on a football field in almost an entire calendar year with a defense that is heavily reliant on young talent inexperienced Mm -hmm. talent against arguably the most experienced quarterback in the NFL today. So it's extremely exciting. I was surprised at first um, that they put the Cowboys in that time slot, knowing that they could get what I thought could get any audience there in opening weekend. But you're, you're right to have pointed out that they've been trending downwards in that opening slot. So they wanted to add a little bit of juice to it. This absolutely does that and if it doesn't break records or at least become one of the highest rated openers that we've seen in the last decade I would be shocked by that great game for the Cowboys to open up with I mean I I'll admit I would have liked to see him a couple weeks in so we could get a feel for what the Cowboys are but hey um, I guess it's as good of week as any is week one to try to knock off the champions and and tap that throne and let people know that you're here to play for it so The Cowboys will have that opportunity in week one. As we look down the schedule, Tom, and I know you're just kind of piecing through it, so we're all kind of making our way around it. There's two interesting items, I think, to note. Specifically, the Cowboys are going to be playing both three home games in a row and three road games in a row. Only the second time that has ever happened in a Cowboys season – And the first time it happened back in 1987, it actually wasn't supposed to be that way. Uh, They had some reschedulings and things that took place that wound up having them play three home games in a row, three road games in a row. Uh, In addition to that, Tom, we got the interesting look at the back end of the schedule where the Cowboys 
will essentially play four of their final five games against divisional opponents. So whatever their schedule and whatever their record is after 13 games or 12 games, it may still be very much up for grabs when it comes to what's going on in the division based on the fact that over the second week of December on, they go Washington, New York, Washington, Arizona, Philly. As yeah. you're looking at the schedule, what kind of sticks out to you? Well, they need to pile up some wins early on, and it's kind of set up where they can do that, even if the Buccaneers, you know, get the win as as the the betting world is thinking. Then they they have that that advantage of first you know season opening game, and that they get the extra days to prepare for the second week, which is at the Chargers, not. You know, that could be a, a test, but uh, the following three games, there are three home games in a row against the Eagles, Panthers, and Giants. You'd have to think that they're probably going to be looked at as a favorite at this point if Dak is at all up to speed. Yeah, I'd and throw the so, fourth op- opponent after them too, right before the bye, right? Philly, yeah. Carolina, Giants, and New England, right? If it Which wasn't is, Bill Belichick, that team on paper looks worse than the Cowboys. And I think that's probably four straight games that they might be favored in before the bye week. Yeah. And so that's they need to they need to come out strong. They can't afford the start they had last year, uh, which I think is a lot of that's going to be on Dan Quinn and the, the other is going to be on the health questions that they have. So if all of that comes together, yeah, they should be able to get off to a pretty good start and bank some wins. And I saw that their uh, strength of schedule was one of the weakest in the league this year. And looking down at you kind of go, well, yeah, there's a lot of teams with some big question marks and some issues and that have struggled. Uh, you know, clearly when they hit the Chiefs, that, that's a big one. Um, you know, and then the Raiders on Thanksgiving, um, you know, I'm not sure what they got there. Um, the Saints, I don't know what they're going to do because uh, who knows what they're going to be throwing out there. Uh, I don't think they're even settled on their quarterback yet, are they? Uh, no, the, uh, no. I mean, you know, I, so. I think most of us, I kind of assume it's Jameis because I don't believe the Tyson Hill, Taysom Hill hype, but – yeah. yeah, I suppose it still is up for grabs too. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's not a daunting looking schedule. And as as someone said, even if they're you know kind of in a real dogfight for the division, ending with four of the division teams in the last five games, that's a great to uh, either make it up or to uh, you know wind up getting bounced out of the postseason. It's it's going to be an interesting thing, but. Just looking at it, it's not the most intimidating schedule we've seen at the beginning of a year. Again, with that caveat that you really don't know what the teams are going to be in 21. You just you know what they were like last year, and you've got an idea of who they brought in. With the uh, you know, also the standard thing is that most people think that their team did so much better in the draft and free agency than reality eventually bears out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're having to, to deal with that, trying to sort out the actual uh, state of the roster versus what we kind of think is happening. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it, and they it's, t- tend to think the teams in their division all did worse, too. Yeah. Uh, but you do have to admit, 
they have a definite advantage at quarterback with a healthy Dak Prescott. Uh, and I think that's, that's the key thing. This, you know, just like last year crashed and burned when Dak went down, if he is playing well, he is going to be what determines the success this team finds. And you know, very exciting. I'm I'm not sure we're going to have a good answer on that because I imagine they're going to give Dak like about seven snaps in preseason games, and that's it, and protect him. And so we'll have to just see what happens the first real game of the year. Uh, so it's it's going to be going to be uh, an interesting journey uh, once it gets going because this is. It, you know, like all years, there's some, some things you like about the schedules. There's some things you worry about. You know, the, those, you know, three away games in a row, they're also opening with two away games. Uh, so, yeah. you know, that can be a little bit of a factor too. I think if they can split those first two against the Bucks and the Chargers, then mm-hmm. they can feel pretty good about potentially going into the bye week at four and two, right? You give them one loss against those three teams – the Carolina, the Giants, the Philly, and uh, the Patriots. And, you know, that's a manageable thing that you can work with as you go into the second half of the season. Now, you mentioned the strength of schedule. Um, What that is based on, according to a a graphic that was put out on Twitter, it's based on the Vegas odds makers over-under values for the teams involved. So the Cowboys, relative to their division, 31st in terms of strength of schedule. The Philadelphia Eagles, again, against the opponents and their win totals based on what Vegas has today, the Philadelphia Eagles have the 25th toughest schedule. The New York Giants, actually above league average, they have the 13th toughest schedule. And the Washington football team has the seventh toughest schedule in the NFL thanks to the fact that they were the first-place team and winners of the division a season ago. In addition to that, for the Cowboys, six games against NFL playoff teams from 2020, Mm -hmm. two of those against, obviously, the Washington football team, and another against a New Orleans Saints team that, with a different quarterback, could be drastically different from a season ago. So it does play into the Cowboys' favor. You're right, as you look up and down the schedule, you don't really think to yourself – outside of Kansas City, right? You don't really think to yeah. yourself you're you got to play a ton of powerhouses. You're not having to play a resurgent, you know, a San Francisco 49ers team with at least that grueling defense. You're not having to play a Russell Wilson. Uh, you're not having to play an Aaron Rodgers, right? Yes, yeah. you're having to face off against a Patrick Mahomes, but the other aspect I look at when I look at schedule specifically, Tom, is the quarterbacks you're going to be facing. And when I look up yeah. and down the Cowboys' schedule and I think about the quarterbacks in those games versus the quarterbacks the Cowboys will have under center, I can really only point to three games where I think the opponent might have the better one, right? Maybe four. Tampa, mm-hmm. if we're giving Justin Herbert that type of level of credibility, I still think Dak is better. But if you want to make the argument, I'll let you, have, I'll let you make the case, right? Outside of those two, it's Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. And then maybe Arizona and Kyler Murray. And I don't know, again, Kyler Murray right there with Justin Herbert. You make the argument about whether or not they're better than Dak Prescott. I'm not going to have a big drawn-out debate with you about it because, okay, they might be in the same similar vein. The rest of the 
division as I see it, right? Derek Carr, potentially Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. Uh, Drew Locke, as long as they're not trading for Aaron Rodgers between now and then, hope to God they don't. Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Give me Dak Prescott all day. So in that regard, I do think the Cowboys are looking at a pretty nice schedule and a pretty nice opportunity here in 2021 based on the opponents that they're seeing. Would you be bold enough, Tom, to give me a schedule record prediction? Because I know we're going to come back to this in six months from now and we are going to grill you all over the place as to how right or wrong you were. You know we're going to do that. You know, the the – the traditional fallback when you're feeling optimistic about the team, you realize, yeah, that's the traditional fallback, but you can't do that anymore. There's another game to play. That's right. So what do you do? And I, I would lean towards, I think they could manage an 11-6 record this year and get it be in the playoffs as the NFC East representative. Okay. Um, we may come to regret that, <laughs> the feeling that way, but. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's so many questions that have to be answered for the Cowboys, but so many of the teams are in the same kind of a boat, particularly at the quarterback position. And that's where I still think Dallas has the advantage. They know who their quarterback is and all the reports are that he is healthy and he's going to be playing like the Dak Prescott of old, um, you know, hopefully the way he was those first. Uh, four weeks when he was putting up some really impressive numbers outside the season opener. So you you have to have a little bit of optimism about this year, but we have to wait and see what's going to happen. It's going to be interesting. At least now we know how the schedule is going to go and we can start kind of seeing how it develops. But I really think it won't be until the Cowboys are on their bye week that we're going to start having a good feel for the rest of the league as well as what Dallas has. Yep. Cowboys will see their bye week in week seven, so that's when they'll get Mm -hmm. their break. Of course, we also have the Thanksgiving game against the Las Vegas Raiders and the week following where they will play on Thursday night against the New Orleans Saints, plus two Sunday night football games for the Cowboys this season. So a lot of prime time for the Dallas Cowboys this year, of course, as expected is the case. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's easy to predict right now based on 100% health. We're making a lot of assumptions about the health of the offensive linemen, specifically those tackles, and how available they're going to be. But I'm taking their word for it, right, at least for now. And I don't know why I'm saying that out loud and saying it so skeptically because, boy, I do take their words with a grain of salt these days, especially when a guy starts the season already not working with the regular first team. But I think the Cowboys go 12-5 and five based on what they're facing right now. Um, and that's given them a little bit of wiggle room. I think, actually, there's probably room for even greater improvement in that regard. But it's going to depend on how that defense plays out and how the offense is able to mesh with Dak Prescott back under center again and, and calling things for him. One thing I will point out as I'm looking at quarterbacks specifically, and I realize we made this mistake last year when we had Dak Prescott 100% sure, much better than Sam Darnold in the New York Jets, right? Like, there's no yeah. way he could lose to that quarterback. And those. Well, guys- yeah, but that was, that was, uh, we'll, we'll lay that one on Mike Nolan's feet. We blame him for everything else. So, I mean, that was just, 
That, that was what was so frustrating about that game, the uh, the game against the Browns, when the defense just was letting the t- other team work their will against them. And, and that has to stop. That's, you know, Dan Quinn, you know, we're putting a lot of hope in him and uh, what he's doing with the defense. And we're going to find out, you know, I, I think pretty quickly if that was a good decision or not. Well, we are going to have to find out about Dan Quinn's defense. We got a lot of time to dive into that. Of course, we will continue to dive into that here on Riled Up with the Cowboys every Thursday with my man Tom Ryle at Tom Ryle BTB. And of course, yours truly, Roy White at RW3. Coming up next here on the podcast, though, very excited to bring you an exclusive interview with an insider who got to watch every snap of Jabril Cox's college career, at least with the LSU Tigers a season ago, and has some insight for us in regards to what he can bring to the Cowboys. So without further ado, here is our interview with LSU insider, our SB Nation LSU managing editor, Zachary Junda of andthevalleyshook.com, the LSU blog under the SB Nation umbrella. Welcome back into a very special edition of Riled Up on the Cowboys, featuring myself, Roy White, at RW3 on Twitter, and my man, Tom Ryle, at Tom Ryle BTB. Of course, you can follow all of his great work at the Blogging the Boys network, right? SB Nation, powered by taking us through here and we have a very special guest joining us an insider that'll give us some insight into the Cowboys most exciting draft pick no I'm not talking about Micah Parsons it's the other linebacker Jabril Cox from LSU and we have on one of the esteemed members the show the site runner of and the Valley Shook our LSU blog specifically devoted to the LSU Tigers powered by SB Nation he is Zachary Junda. Thank you very much, Zachary, for joining us. You can follow him at Zachary Junda on Twitter. You can ask him your questions about Jabril Cox, as we will. And of course, we need to get some insight into what I think is the Cowboys' most exciting player from the draft, Zachary. And maybe you can agree with that. Um, a lot of Cowboys fans questioned the Micah Parsons pick there in the first round. But Cox was a name that we had heard that the Cowboys were interested in as high as a second round. In fact, they had a second round grade on him. So take me through what your thought process was as you saw him start to tumble throughout the draft and what ultimately you think led to him falling so deep as most experts claim he did. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm glad to be with you guys. It's nice to finally meet you guys and talk to you guys. Uh, For the listeners out there who can't see us, I'm wearing Nashville Predator apparel because I live in Nashville and I'm really excited that between us and the stars, we're still in the playoffs and you guys are out. Sorry about that. Uh, Not a no, great I think way you're to right, endear Roy. yourself to the fan base, my friend. But I think you're right. I think not only Dallas, but I think a whole host of teams had a second round grade on Jabril Cog. Some teams from what I understood even had a late first round pick. Maybe he could even sneak his way into that 30 to 35 area. The knock on Cox was injuries. And then just a few days before the draft itself, come to find out there's some kind of shoulder injury that I wasn't aware of in his one year at Baton Rouge. Um, I didn't even think most insiders were even aware of it, but something flagged and it wound up costing him. The fall was steeper than I thought because Terrace Marshall, who also had a second round grade like Cox, got flagged for injuries. 
he tumbled toward the middle end, maybe the back end of the second round, went 59th overall. Cox fell all the way to day three, and that stunned me that he kept tumbling. There was the knock about, you know, he spent three years at North Dakota State in his one – or four years, I suppose, at North Dakota State in his one year at LSU. He was part of just a historically terrible LSU defense. How much does that have to play into it? How much does injury history and playing against – high-quality opponents, now he's not looking as dominant as he did at North Dakota State. Maybe it's a, a whole host of things. But if this works out, and I believe it does, I, I think Dallas got a steal in the fourth round. What role do you think Jabril Cox fits into best in today's NFL? How would you use Jabril Cox as you saw him used you know, to the best of his abilities there at LSU? I think Cox fits with any defense because of what he does. He, he's listed as a linebacker. That's probably how Dallas will play him. But the way he moves and covers, it's really almost like he's a safety. He's like a bigger safety. Uh, I'm a Saints fan, and I could see him being like the linebacker equivalent of like a Malcolm Jenkins or a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, not as, as agile, but like a bulkier, thicker version. Of course, as an LSU graduate – you think, well, could it be Devin White? I don't know if he's Devin White. I mean, who who is? But uh, if you watch the Texas A&M game, LSU lost that game 20-7, to but A&M has a tight end. And I'm going to butcher his name, but I believe it's Jalen Wattemeyer. Uh, he'll be a top tight end prospect next year. Cox took him out of the game. I, I believe he only had one reception, maybe even, maybe even zero. I don't have those numbers in front of me. But Cox can cover – I, at least I believe, can cover most, if not every linebacker in the NFL because of his fluidity. I think he could keep up with most slots and fourth receivers in the, in the NFL. I think his skill set, I, I just I think back to the Super Bowl and with Tampa's dominant run through the postseason where Levante David and Devin White just unleashed hell on the Chiefs, Saints, Packers, Washington – I think Cox could be a poor man's version of that. I, I think, especially with that linebacking core with Jalen Smith and Vander Esch and Micah Parsons, Andrew Bill Cox, I think Dallas could have a hellacious, quick, versatile linebacking core. And I think Cox could be the best cover guy of that unit or in that unit. Uh, well, that's something I'm very interested in because – you know, you mentioned how he can cover tight ends and slots. You, you, and you're characterizing him as a guy who's got a lot of safety traits, which I'm interpreting to mean coverage and pass coverage. Um, do, do you feel that that is his real strength? Or does, like, how does he do in run support? And has he got any value as a blitzer? He has value as a blitzer. He, there were some moments in run support where you can kind of see you know, is, is he protecting himself? What, what's going on? That Mississippi State game, the season opener, he had a pick six, and that was awesome. But there was just some plays where it looked like he, he was thinking a little too much, trying to preserve himself. And I get it because he, he tore his ACL his senior year of high school, and that kind of uh, tanked his, uh, his, uh, his prospect rankings coming out. But he's, he's excellent off the edge. He had – I've got it here. 
He had a sack last year. He had six and a half tackles for loss last year. He really was utilized better at North Dakota State coming off the edge as a more of an outside linebacker blitzer. I think uh, the number was in the 40s with, uh, you know, just tackles for loss and run stuffs and sacks. Uh, he was the uh, FCS defensive player of the year. He's a three-time All-American. I think that's more of his, his, his bag, kind of the get him in space, uh, almost like the opposite of an offense player, get him in space, let him wreak havoc, get him on the edge, let him blitz, let him go after running backs, let him run with tight ends. I think that's his strength. You may not have him in a, in a goal-to-go situation. You probably would rather have the Jalen Smith and the Vander Esch, the Parsons. But if you need to cover, like uh, I'm, I'm a Saints fan, and the Saints are going to play uh, New Orleans this year. If you need a guy to cover Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey, you'd put uh, whatever number Cox ends up being on him. You say, hey, cover 41, cover 22, and he can, he can run with those guys. Um, so do you see him probably playing as, as a will linebacker most of the time? Uh, because it's, it's, it's very interesting. I'm not too sure just how solid uh, Leighton Vanderish and Jalen Smith are ahead of Parsons and Jabril Cox. So I'm just curious, do you, would you see him if he was lining up as in the nickel defense, they got two of them, would you see him lining up as the will probably? Absolutely. Um, he, he's, just, he's just so athletic. And I'm pulling up his North Dakota State numbers. I don't want to butcher them. Um, yeah, here it is. 92 tackles, nine and a half for a loss, five and a half sacks his last year. That, that's just a guy that you go, you're going to want on the field in place of a Vander Esch. Um, he's just – he's so quick. And that kind of speed, as they say, it's cliche to say, that's kind of speed, that natural athleticism, that can't be taught, that can't be coached. Either you have it or you don't. Cox could be unique. I don't want to say – I almost said unicorn, but that's kind of cliche to say. But he could be deployed a couple different ways. And it's a shame that uh, Bo Pelini in this just awful 2020 season else you had didn't, couldn't utilize him better. Because there was a ton of pros on that – 2020 roster but they just were coached so poorly it's it's amazing that they even are going to send that many future pros in there yeah I, I actually wanted to touch on that and of course we're talking with Zachary Junta he is uh our man from the uh and the Valley Shook blog our LSU blog powered by SB Nation make sure you check out their great work over there as well why do you think it is that a player, you know, you're, you're talking so much about how porous this 2020 LSU defense was. Why then should Cowboys fans be excited about a player coming from a defense that struggled so mightily a season ago? It was just a bad fit from the start. Cox, I, I think if Jabril Cox was on campus the 2019 season under Dave Aranda, you would have seen a better – more fleshed out version of what Cox could be. This Cox is more of a get out in space, sideline and sideline, cover, take what the offense gives you and use that against them. That's not how Polini coached and the game passed Polini by and, and it was obvious. 
you just look at who LSU will continue to pump out into the uh, NFL the next couple of years. You know, Cox was a pro. Kobe Stevens taken in the seventh round, professional football player. Uh, you know, guys like Derek Stingley, who's going to be a top 10 pick next year. Elias Ricks could be a top 10 pick in 2023, I believe, if I have the year right. Uh, they have just a whole host of freaks on the defensive line, like the Ali Gays, Glenn Logans, uh, Neil Farrell, Jaqueline Roy. The fit just didn't work. One of our, our best uh, film breakdown guy, Max Toscano, when he broke down film week after week during last season, there were points where guys are just putting their hands up going, I don't, I don't know, where are you? Where am I supposed to be? Why is this happening? And something just didn't click in the, in the teaching. I don't know why that was because LSU has some of the best facilities in the country. They even have like a, a almost like a 3D room where you can project onto the screen or into a room how the offense is going to line up. And Plains just didn't even bother using those materials at all. Just totally neglected it. And that that's inexcusable. Um, but no, I, I, if I were a Cowboy fan, I would just go back to how he was utilized at North Dakota State. That skill set, that tape, that's how he should have been used. And Pelini never did that. And that's just – it's gross incompetence on his part. Well, hopefully he'll get some better coaching. Had some The Cowboys had some issues with the defensive coaching last year, as you may be well aware. So we're hoping that gets rounded, uh, sorted out, and hopefully it'll, it'll be a good situation for Cox. Now, here's kind of a very Cowboy-specific question. They are not shy about getting people with character and off-the-field issues with the poster child this year being Josh Ball, uh, the player that they took, the offensive lineman who's got a kind of a domestic assault thing in his past that apparently was, you know, it was all closed out and settled. What about Cox off the field and his, his demeanor, his character, and that kind of stuff? Do you see he, that he's going to be having any problems? Or is he one of those guys you want to have in the locker room? Yeah, I've never met Cox. I've never talked to him. From what I understand, there's nothing to be concerned about. The, the bigger issue with Cox is it's health, but mm-hmm. not so much personality things or, or character concerns. The scary thing about Cox, though, um, you know, he's had the ACL tear. He had the hamstring. He, he couldn't run at LSU's pro day. He had his own private little pro day in front of scouts about two weeks later, three weeks later. Uh, but he had some kind of hamstring injury. And then this, I don't want to say phantom, but the – this shoulder injury just popped out of nowhere that knocked him down a couple rounds. And I just think, you know, as these injuries keep piling up, eventually is the big one coming. And he's already had a major injury with that, with that ACL tear. So he's already kind of damaged goods as it is. That's my, that's my concern. I, I don't worry about Cox, the human being. I worry about how much longer can his body hold up. We're speaking with Zachary Junda, the managing editor of And the Valley Shook, our LSU blog. Make sure you check those out, powered by SB Nation. Great stories on there, and I'm sure you'll find some background stories about Jabril Cox. For the Cowboys, though, um, they're probably going to bring him along slow, and as you mentioned, they got two guys in that position already, including Micah Parsons, who are probably going to get a lot of playing time. So Cox is going to have to make his way a little bit in his role as a special teamer. What do you see, and what can you tell us about his ability on special teams and what he might be able to contribute? 
See, he wasn't really utilized too much in the special team game, at least not on punt coverage. But I think Cox, could you could definitely see him flying down the field on kickoff coverage. He's got that speed to get downfield in a hurry. Uh, he's quicker than most linebackers. He's, he's kind of a – like to borrow an NBA term, he's kind of a tweener, a little too – Fast to be a linebacker, but a little too big to be a safety. But I think that could be used to his advantage, especially on the kickoff coverage. Uh, it yeah, sounds like kind of he's the anti-tight end. He's kind of the, the answer to today's yeah. tight end. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the kind of guy that you would want covering like a Kelsey or a Gronkowski or, uh, or, the, or even a, a Kyle Pitts. Uh, that's, that's one thing I wish would have happened. Pitts didn't play in the LSU Florida game. They, they kept him out of that game uh, to keep him rested for the SEC championship game. That would have been one of the must-see matchups of the season had it happened. And I'm disappointed we didn't get to see it play out. Although I believe the Cowboys do play Atlanta this season, correct? So maybe we'll get to see it on the professional level. Um, the last thing I'm really curious about, and you might have kind of touched on this, indirectly in other answers but assuming that he is his health is good a great frustration we had watching Jalen Smith was that he could not change direction well at all is I take it that Cox doesn't have any issues in that department no laterally he's about as good as it gets um I would want him in space I want him getting sideline to sideline uh Again, like I go back to like my, my Saints fandom, if Alvin Kamara gets split out wide, which you know he, he will multiple times a game, I wouldn't feel uh, like it's a, it's a guaranteed win for Kamara if a guy like Jabril Cox follows him. Um, I think he's got that good uh, athleticism. He's got uh, what, what the scouts call it, oily hips. He's got those kind of hips. He's got that great change of direction. It's just so natural, so fluid. Um, Definitely a guy I'd feel comfortable in space with. Where, do, where does he need to improve the most? Team teams are going to want to bulk up a little bit. Like if you're going to be a linebacker, you've got to be able to be in that 240, maybe 235 range. I don't, I don't know what he measured in at his pro day again because he had his own little private event. But he just seems a little slight, and I don't, I don't know if that's – because of the level of competition he spent three years North Dakota State against. I don't know if that's just how he's just naturally built. But like we said a couple minutes ago, there was some questions about his run support where I don't, you don't think he can really win too many battles if it's him against a, a running back in the, uh, in the A gap or the C gap one-on-one, uh, -on -one, or he might even get chipped by a tight end, get chipped by a guard. I don't – that's probably the biggest thing aside from health that kind of knocked him down uh, because, yeah, he's a bit of a tweener, that kind of in-between tight end like we talked about just a moment ago. But can he bang with the, the big guys up front? He, he didn't really show it last year. Um, I just was wondering, you know, the only other, other thing that I can, I can really think of is – it sounds to me like if he's going to carve out a, a, a home on the defense role early, it could possibly be as a guy who's a bit of a third down specialist or passing situation specialist. Cause it just sounds like that's when you really want to have him on the field. 
Yeah, like a like a third down running back in a sense, uh, like the defense equivalent of that, um, like a left-handed uh, reliever when you need it in baseball. Um, that eventually, I, I think if he does bulk up to the appropriate size, I think he'd become like an every down type of linebacker. Although with teams starting to transition more to like a like a four two five look, could he be like four down linemen, two linebackers, and Cox is kind of like that linebacker safety hybrid like a four two point five four point five maybe that's his future but I think Cox has like at, at the set of the start I think Cox has the natural skill set to be successful and to blend in at any of the other 31 NFL teams if the Cowboys don't extend to be on the second give him that second contract I think he just does everything that you would want especially the way that football is progressing now where it's more vertical, it's more spaced out. I think health permitting, and that, that's, that's probably the biggest if now because he has the hurt knee, he's had the hurt shoulder, the hurt hamstring. If that body holds up and he can maintain that fluidity, he can have a really long career and a really successful one at that. There you go, Cowboys fans. You heard it from the mouth of a man who saw him play every snap with the LSU Tigers. Of course, not the national championship LSU Tigers, but the 2020 version, which uh, had its own excitement in its own right. So, Zachary Junda, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow him at Zachary Junda on Twitter. And, of course, check out all of his fine work at our LSU blogging the boy, uh, excuse me, LSU SB Nation sister website, and thevalleyshook.com. Zach, thanks for joining us, brother. Yeah, guys, thank y'all. Cool. See you later. That There goes Zach Junda. Man, very insightful stuff about the Cowboys' newest linebacker.